Turn in your Bibles to a Psalms 127 this morning. Psalms 127 within God's Word. Again, I'm very well aware of the time. Uh, I don't mind it if you look uh, at your watch to see what time it is. I just get worried if you put it to your ear to see if your watch is working. Amen. Or your cell phone's working. Amen. Praise the Lord. Psalms 127. If you'd like to follow along, and I do a fill-in-the-blank uh, sermon study guide, so you can see the main points and follow along with me, retain the Word. If you'd like to do that and you don't have a fill-in-the-blank sermon study guide, just lift up your hands, and uh, the ushers who are all around you right now will get a sermon study guide to you. Just keep that hand lifted up, and we'll get one to you this morning. Amen. Keep Pastor Ryan in prayer, if you would. He preached uh, in Solid Rock this morning, and uh, it's a whole new life for him because our two grandsons, his twin sons, uh, are starting school. They're in kindergarten now. And as many of you have heard, my daughter, his wife, is pregnant again, and she's pregnant with twins again. Some of you have not heard that. And uh, last week, she was feeling ill, and uh, so uh, being a good daddy, as Pastor Ryan uh, is, he got the boys up, bathed them, dressed them, fed them breakfast, uh, packed a lunch for them, raced to the bus stop, got to the bus stop, got there late, missed the bus because the bus was not there, so he figured he was late raced the boys to school and couldn't figure out why nobody, nobody was in the parking lot at school. And then it hit him. It's Saturday morning. It's Saturday morning. It's Saturday morning. Do you have family memories like that? I'm going to be talking about family memories this morning, but let me first this morning, as we conclude this marriage and family series, putting the wow back in your vow, let me uh, this morning begin by talking about the home. What's a real home? I submit to you that a real home is far more than a roof, four walls, and a door. A real home is far more than a house. A real home doesn't have to be a prestigious address. It doesn't have to be a mansion. The simplest shack can be a home. The home, you see, I speak of is God's picture of the family. God's idea of the family. Despite how our Supreme Court has redefined the family for the first time in all world history. Despite the fact that now homosexuals and lesbians can live together and adopt children legally and earn same-sex benefits and have a same-sex marriage, this is still not a real home or family according to the Word of God. Let's be clear on it. God's ideal picture of the family is a dinner table in the evening where a dad and mom and the children are holding hands around the table and pray down God's blessing upon the food that they're about to partake of and His goodness throughout the day 
I get emotional. Because for that type of a picture, it's largely in the past for Becky and I now. God's ideal picture of the home is where the special love of a husband and wife wonderfully overflows in love for their children as well. A real home is the comforting hugs and kisses of a mommy. It's the strengthening presence of a dad who's able not only to take care of the monsters that are lurking under a kid's, a child's bed, but to calm the fears of a son who's facing bullies every single day at school or a teenage daughter facing her first road test. A family home should be the first school. It should be the first church a child ever attends. A family home is where children should learn the difference between right and wrong, where they learn uh, from uh, 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 mom and dad how to have a loving marriage and how to pray. And most of all, a real home is where children are introduced for the very first time to their Savior, Jesus Christ. Not by a pastor, but by a parent. A real home is where you should be able to go when you're sick, you're bruised, battered, bloodied up and hungry because a real home wraps its loving arms around you and makes you feel better than when you walk through the door. Real homes are where joys are shared, where promotions, awards, honors uh, are shared and where you're able to say, job well done. We're so proud of you. Real homes are where children respect their parents and we never hear old man or old lady ever uttered under the roof of that house. Real homes are where children are considered blessings of the Lord and not an inconvenience to precious careers or a perfect figure or an expensive getaway. Real homes, whether headed up by a mom and dad or a single parent, are where each member is dearly loved in the name of Jesus. Loved unconditionally. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what real homes are all about. And may God bless godly homes here in these United States of America and preserve homes in this country forever and evermore. Home is where the heart is. Home is where the nation is built. Unless there's a revival among the homes of America, there's no hope for America. Now, you might be a young married home, no kids. You might be a home with married, with kids home. You might be a single parent home, a blended family home, an empty nest home, or a live alone home. Either way, God's got a word for you this morning. And you can take the teaching that I'm sharing this morning and apply it to your context. Work what works. But the single most important issue this morning with your home is who's building your home? Who's building your home? Psalms 127 verse 1, unless the Lord builds the home, the builders labor in vain. Every home is open to improvement. No matter the season it's in, let's look at the improvements 
the Lord wants to bring to our homes. This morning on Glenn Hagee's radio show, The Handyman Show, he said, I was going down Shaner Road in Shelby Township, and I saw on a large church's digital sign, Home Improvement. And I want you to know that that's what this radio show is all about, but there's no home improvement like what God can do in a home. He went by our church this morning. He read our sign, and that is the title of this morning's message, Home Improvement. You never know what a church sign and how it touches, amen, and what hearts. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up the homes of this church, whether they are the homes with a traditional family living in that home, or they are the homes Lord Jesus, of just one living there. You have a word for us today. Help us to hear what your Spirit is saying to us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. When God improves the home life of a home, mark it down, he improves listening in a family. Listening in a family. A boy asked his father at the dinner table, at the supper table, Dad! Are bugs good to eat? Son, that's disgusting. We do not discuss anything like that at our dinner table. After supper, sit down with me and I'll give the answer to that question about eating bugs. After supper, dad sat down with his son. Son, you had a question? What did you want to ask me? Oh, nothing, the boy said. I just wanted to let you know that there was a bug in your bowl of soup. But now it's gone. In many homes a day, would you agree, in many homes today, there's a lot of talking, a lot of noise. Sad to say, uh, a lot of that noise is screaming, yelling, and shouting. I declare to you that the absence of true listening in a home relationship is a terrible abuse to family relationships. Paul said in Ephesians 6, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. One of the greatest ways that you can bring up your children in the ways of God is to listen to them. Listen to them. You know, today we hear a lot about verbal abuse, physical, sexual abuse. But when was the last time you heard an outcry regarding the abuse of not listening? Family specialists report the three things that kids hear the most from their parents. What are those three things? I'm too tired. We don't have enough money. You think money grows on trees? Be quiet. Because I told you so. Or in our home, because I have to study. I have to study. The stats on parents listening and sharing with their teens is alarming. 58% occasionally spent time with their children each week. 53% 
53% of all parents spent less than 15 minutes discussing important matters with their kids. 15 minutes, not each day, each week. Each week. If we're not there to really listen to our children, then who will be? I'll tell you who. The TV, the Internet will be there to listen. Commercials and movies will take time to listen. Friends, godless teachers will be there to give attention. Pornographers, pimps, and pushers, oh, they've always got time to listen. And old slewfoot, the devil, Satan, you can count on him to have a listening ear to your children. Study the life of Jesus. No matter how busy Jesus was, he always had time for the one. He always had time to listen to Zacchaeus, the woman at the well, the adulterous woman. He always had compassion for their needs. He always took time to listen. Listen to your children. Listen to your grandchildren. Listen with your ears. Listen with your eyes. Especially listen with your heart. Listen for their feelings, their fears, their worries, their failures, their hurts. Listen to their hopes, their aspirations. Listen for their dreams. Proverbs 21, the wise man learns by listening. Do more than, than, than just hear, listen. Try to understand what they're going through. Let me tell you something. Walk through today's high school hallways if they'll let you in. And you'll find out that today's high school, junior high hallways are far different from what you walked through a generation ago. Listen. Understand their world. Seek to crawl inside their skin and see the world through their eyes. And who's the greatest one to listen to? He's just as close as the mention of his name. Without listening to him, You'll never have any home improvement whatsoever. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But I haven't heard anything yet from God. I'm waiting. Listen, God is always speaking. The issue is, are you listening? Are you listening? Secondly, this morning when God is building a home, He fills it with joy and laughter. He fills it with joy and laughter. Stop being so serious. Stop trying to be so spiritual when it comes to your home. If you've got a Bible home, if you've got a godly home, it's going to be full of joy and laughter. You hear me in this? An Amish, Amish husband and his wife and teenage son left the country, went on vacation, went to the city. And there they went to a city mall. And while the wife was shopping, the father and son stood in the open space below in front of an elevator. They'd never seen an elevator before. They didn't know what an elevator does. They saw an old woman with a cane walk into the elevator, and the doors closed. The digital numbers began flashing. Minute later, doors open. 
outwalked this drop-dead gorgeous girl, the Amish father leaned over to his son and said, quick, go get your mother right now. <laughs> quick, go get your mother right now. Some homes, some homes, I submit this to you, are like graveyards. They're mortuaries. There's no life in them. They're full of dry bones. Sometimes it's due to an unreal work ethic. Sometimes it's due to the success syndrome, and we pressure them to get straight A's. We pressure them to be a first string on the football team. It is pressure, 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 or it's constant screaming. It's constant yelling. They're never good enough. Whatever the case is, the spirit of the marriage, the spirit of the family has been broken. And the death knell is ringing in that home instead of a home blessed by life and love. Proverbs 17, God's word says, a cheerful heart is good. What? Medicine. There are homes here this morning that need healing. And you don't necessarily need something super spiritual to happen to your home. You just need some good old Jesus joy in your home because it's medicine for a hurting home. Listen, a crushed spirit dries up the bones, the Bible says. God's Word reveals that His joy and laughter will bring wholeness and health to our lives, our families. Job 8, he will yet fill your mouth with what? What does God want to fill our mouths with? Laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Jesus' joy comes from God the Holy Spirit. Press into his presence and watch what God will do in baptizing your home with Jesus' joy. But then there's also some practical ways to bring joy and laughter into your home. When was the last time you sat down and talked about the funny, humorous memories of the past with your family, with your kids? We do that every time we get together. When the whole fabulous five Chris get together and now with their spouses, we recall the humorous things of the past, like the time that uh, uh, Julie had an algebra, algebra test that she didn't want to do. My, my oldest, your youth pastor's wife, she had an algebra test that she was just dreaded. So she got up in the middle of the night, and she got some stew and some Thousand Island salad dressing, mixed it all together, poured it on her bed, brought Mommy up in the middle of the night and said, Mom, look, I'm sick. Yeah. Yeah, we have a lot of fun talking about that. Or we talk about my son and how I was under guilt and condemnation. I'd never gotten my boy a dog. And so I'd, finally at age 14, I got my boy a dog. I didn't want some lazy lap dog, and I wanted something he could wrestle with and run with. I got him a Jack Russell Terrier. Dummy, dummy, dummy. I got him the dog from hell. It's the smartest dog on green earth, but the worst rebellious spirit. Our house still has the scars from that dog. I didn't know that dogs can scratch and etch windows, and it doesn't come off. I didn't know. And I was able to convince that son because... From age 14 to age 16, he changed. 
And at age 16, age 16, he wanted a car more than a dog. And so I convinced him to sell the dog. I'd give him the money, and he used it for his car. He said, sure thing, Dad. <laughs> oh, we sit down, and we talk about the memories. We talk about the time that uh, our Jenny, our youngest, we went uh, camping, and uh, uh, we went tent, tent camping, and we're out in one of these big, parks there's tents everywhere there's families everywhere and she got up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom and uh, came back got lost and walked into somebody else's tent <laughs> woke up the whole park lost child scared those people half to death when she walked into their tent my 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 recall the humorous Funny memories of the past. Hey, and it doesn't hurt grandpa, grandma. It doesn't hurt mom and dad to get silly once in a while. Man, the stuff that worked with my kids works with my grandkids. They come on over, my grandsons, and we immediately, it's time to play Jaws. Dun, 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 dun. And your pastor, Grandpa, gets on his knees on the floor. Sometimes I get on my, my, my belly, and I'm swimming. And anybody that gets off a couch, anybody that gets off a chair, Jaws will get them, I tell you. You never know when that will lunge out and get you real quick. Because Jaws, I'll tell you, bites. <laughs> oh, I can just see the newspaper headlines right now. Pastor causes heart attack. A prisoner. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. Jesus has given laughter to us. God's given laughter to us as a gift. Be creative as a parent. Every Christmas, even today, we have the Christ treasure hunt. And you, you, I mean, one year I, put, I, I always give them money because adults, I mean, they love getting cash. And my kids are all adults now, and so uh, I put all the cash on a ceiling fan blade, on, on, on the ceiling fan blades. And uh, the last clue led them to turn on the ceiling fan, and the money was coming down from heaven. I mean, be creative. And if you need ideas, come to me. Uh, I mean, Christmas after Christmas, we have the Christ Family Olympics. Wild, crazy games. And you get points for them. I even move all the furniture in my, my wife's living room all out of there. We put a, a rope across the middle. We get a balloon. We have balloon volleyball. And, man, it gets intense. Pray for Becky. Pray for Becky. Take your kids camping. You want to create some funny memories. Take your family camping. Hear, hear ye the word of the Lord. No, no. But really, take your kids, your family camp. I mean, we have years of memories of camping, and it was terrible. Just terrible. I mean, memories of, you know... I'll pack for camping for a whole year of living out in the woods, and we're just going to Canada to spend one night. I mean, uh, the work, and then the rain. And then the one year, one year we camped in April in Canada, and I didn't know the, the raccoons were coming out of hibernation. They come out of hibernation horribly hungry, 
We didn't know enough to seal up our food in the trunk of the car. We had it all in. We had snacks everywhere inside the tent. I didn't know raccoons could be so vicious like hungry bears. Uh, I, I told my wife, there's no way that they can get in the tent. I said, there's no way they can unzip a tent. Raccoons have hands. They can unzip a tent. They came in. You, you should have heard your pastor's wife screaming. I stood till 4 o'clock in the morning with a homemade spear protecting my family. Felt like Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. Memories. Camping. Listen, it's been said if we don't go fishing with our child today, you'll go hunting for them tomorrow. Medical science is now saying that laughter releases endorphins in the brain. It's a substance that helps the body fight disease and maintain health. I always love it when, the, when science catches up with, with the Bible said thousands of years ago. Laughter's like good medicine, the Bible says. People have been dramatically healed through laughter. Imagine what Jesus' joy could do for your hurting home. Nehemiah 8.10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. There it is. To improve your home both during and after child rearing. Determined to be a living lesson. A living lesson. A boy asked his dad, Dad, what's a Christian? Dad launched out into a long technical explanation and answer on what a Christian is? Then the boy had a second question. Dad, have I ever seen one? You can fool everyone. Everyone. You can fool your coworkers. You can fool your classmates, your friends. You can fool your, your, your wife, your, your husband. You can fool me. You can fool your pastors. But you can't fool God, and rarely can you fool your children. And if there's anything your children detest, that's a fake, a plastic Christian, a hypocrite. Listen, we can't expect our children to walk in the ways of God unless we are willing to go that way ourselves. It is said that until a child is 15 years of age, they will do what their parents tell them to do. But after 15, they will do what their parent has done. We're talking about your children. We're talking about being a living lesson. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. God here is not instructing us as the people of God to have Bible studies with our kids morning, noon, and night. He is talking dramatically here, vividly here, about being a living lesson. You should be a walking, talking Word of God. The principles of God's Word need to be seen in your lifestyle, in your perspective, in your desires, in your walk, and in your talk. That's what God is talking about. 
Do you see that there in holy word of God? At the heart of God's prosperity plan. Last week, I, I talked about money because money is the most divisive issue in homes today. Finances, money can be one of the most critical, pivotal issues that will bring you together or divide you apart as a home, as a family. One item that I left out last week because I wanted to share it this morning. If you are walking in God's prosperity plan, if you're embracing God's prosperity plan for your life and your home, then you will manage your greatest asset. Your greatest asset is not your 401k. Your greatest asset that you are called to manage before God is your family, your marriage, your children. When your children and grandchildren see you faithful in prayer and see you faithful to the house of God, they see you putting God first. When your children and your grandchildren see you faithfully loving one another as husband and wife. They see you putting God first. When they see you faithfully tithing and giving to world outreach, they see you putting God first. You're a living lesson to them. When they see you revealing Jesus to others and helping those that are down and out, uh, when they see both in your words and actions Jesus being magnified to a dark world spreading his light, spreading his good news. They see you putting God first. When they see you pressing into God's presence as holy hands are lifted up in praise and worship and you're excited about your King of Kings, your Lord of Lords and the lover of your soul. They see you putting God first. Matthew 6.33 says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things will be added unto you. Put God first, Dad. Put God first, Mom. And everything will come into divine order. This is God's point, His principle. He wants to place your family, your home, under His umbrella of blessing. This is His way of doing it. If you'll just put Him first. A dad, a dad was watching his young son slobbering over his food, feasting and eating as though he hadn't eaten for a month. More of his food was over his shirt and his face than down his mouth. Dad leaned over and said, Son, you eat like a pig. You know what a pig is, don't you, son? And the boy said, yeah, the son of a hog. <laughs> my parents were so upset, so frustrated at my etiquette and at my eating habits of mom's cuisine as I would dive into what I viewed as gastronomical delights, that one night, I am not making this up, I sat down at the dinner table, and mom and dad had erected a mirror right in front of me. 
for the whole dinner, I had to watch myself and how I ate. That's how mom and dad taught me dinner table etiquette. Yeah. <laughs> Say, poor pastor. Oh. But I never, ever remember my parents formally training me in a teaching classroom setting. I never remember them teaching me a work ethic. I never remember them teaching me how to be a man of integrity, how to be a person of stewardship, wise management of all that God had given me. I never remember mom and dad ever holding a classroom setting or session on how to be a good husband, how to be a good father, or having a passion for God. They didn't teach me. They showed me. They showed me. They showed me. They showed me. Mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, more is caught than taught. And it's not only the good times, it's not only the good principles that need to be taught during the good times. Some of the best living lesson times are when you're walking through the hurts, the problems, the troubles of life. The Bible says, Joseph said to his brothers, what you intended for evil, God turned around for the good. God turned around for the good. You want to hear the bright side of trouble? You want to hear the good side of the evil that Satan throws at us? When you're unemployed, when you walk through sickness, when you walk through the tough times of life, be able to be a living lesson to your children, showing them that tough times don't last. But tough people of God, tough people in the faith, they do. One of the greatest legacies of faith that my parents ever gave me, I was 14 years of age, 14 years of age. We were having a vacation in Traverse City. Dad was lighting a charcoal grill he couldn't get it going with kindling, so he resorted to gasoline. He's right-handed. He poured the gas on with his left hand. It exploded because my brother had been throwing matches in it when he was gone. The gasoline exploded. Dad lurched back. The gasoline poured on himself and on my brother standing next to him, my 10-year-old brother. I was out in the lake fishing, and I could see living torches. I heard screams like they sounded like the screams of hell. My mom ran to the beach. Phil, I need you now. I raced up there, and my dad looked like a peeled banana, black skin hanging off of him. They were in the University of Michigan Burn Center for six weeks. They came close to amputating my dad's arm. And the night before they amputated my dad's arm, the Spirit of God came down. He began praising the Lord. And that arm lifted up by itself towards heaven. And God dramatically healed my father so that he did not have to lose his arm. 
God is good. God is good. And what I remember most during that time, because it's not just the one in the hospital bed that suffers. It's those that wait upon them and visit them daily and carry the workload at home and carry the church load at church. And that's the pastor's wife. That's the wife, my mother of my dad. And I watched both my mom and my dad walk through that experience. And never once did they shake their fist at God. But time and time again, my dad would whisper to me in that hospital, but God is faithful. God is faithful. He's just as close as the mention of his name. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. Though the enemy comes against me like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If God be for me, who shall be against me? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That living lesson has been a legacy of faith that my parents have handed down to me. It's a legacy that is far greater than any last will and testament of fame or fortune. It is a legacy of faith that has stood me in the test of time, that God was faithful to my parents, and my parents were faithful to God, and God will do it for me as I'm faithful to Him. I'm talking about living legacies. I'm talking about faith legacies. Do not disdain the times of unemployment. Do not disdain the times of trouble. Don't disdain the time when the doctor says the big C word, cancer. God can use that experience to diametrically etch deeply upon the heart and the mind and the spirit of your children and grandchildren the faithfulness of God and your faithfulness to God. Living lesson. Will you be a living lesson? A living lesson unto the Lord. Amen. You see, nothing happens through us until it happens to us. We're wanting our children to grow up to be godly. Men and women of the Spirit, as it happened to you. Nothing happens through us until it happens to us. Lastly, this morning, God's home improvements include blessing your children and your grandchildren. Blessing them. You know, most parents want the best for their children, yet too often we slip into being harsh and critical and quick and condemning with them. It's so easy to point out flaws and failures with kids and teenagers, isn't it? Why can't you make better grades? Why can't you make the first string in the football team? You didn't mow the lawn right. Clean up your room. It looks like a, a pig pen. And what lives in pig pens? You can't do anything right. You'll never amount to anything. Why can't you be like your big brother? I wish we never had you. Because you curse their very existence. That's right, curse. Negative words, negative speak, literally pronounces a curse upon our children and our grandchildren. Condemning 
their destinies, condemning their self-image, their self-worth, their developmental life, socially, relationally, mentally, emotionally. Proverbs 6.2 declares, we are snared by the words of our mouth. Proverbs 18, the tongue has the power of life and death. You're either speaking life into your home or you're speaking death. There's no middle ground in this. And God will hold you responsible for destroying the destiny of your children if you do speak negatively. Hear me in this. Millions of adults today fill the counseling rooms across America as they're still suffering the negative words their parents spoke over them as children. And even more serious is the fact most children get their God concept from what? Their relationship with their father. The relationship with their father. If you have a bad relationship with your father, it can definitely, I can tell you as a pastor, it's called psychological transference. You can transfer that bad relationship with your father onto your heavenly father. And you need to present yourself for inner healing, for there is inner healing. There is victory over that. I declare that to you. Are you speaking life or death in your home? One of the most powerful things the heroes of the faith would do. Read your Bible. The patriarchs would lay their hand upon the heads of their children and invoke the blessings of God upon them. Jacob and Esau fought for this blessing. Parents pressed into Jesus, and even, even Jesus had to rebuke the disciples because parents desperately wanted Jesus to lay his hands upon their children and bless their children. Mom and dad, you live in a divine authoritative position. Mom and dad, you have been ordained by God to be parents for such a time as this. Grandpa and grandma, you have been ordained for such a time as this. The Bible says that a man's heritage is unto his children and his children's children. You are in what is called righteous delegated authority. God has given you a holy office as a parent or grandparent. Use it. Don't lose it. And standing upon the holy authority of scriptures and through the divine power of the Holy Spirit, lay your hands upon your children and your grandchildren and invoke the blessings of God upon them. Invoke God's best upon them. Pray God's best upon them. Pray for open doors. Pray that God will go before them and make the crooked places straight. Pray divine favor upon them. Declare upon them the promises and the goodness of our God who will not and who cannot fail. This is more than just praying. This is more than just a daily blessing. This, again, is a lifestyle of blessing. Part of the lifestyle of blessing in our home is a lots and lots and lots of affection, appropriate affection. I don't care how old my son gets. 
I don't care how old my daughters get. They're still going to get a big smooch kiss on the cheek. Amen. And a big hug from dad. Yes. Fill your home with blessing. This is blessing through love, blessing through appropriate affection. If my kids did not kiss me in the morning before they went to school, if I didn't get a goodbye kiss, I threatened, I'll run out to the bus stop in front of the kids and grab a kiss. I got a kiss every single morning. Blessing includes a lifestyle of encouraging your children, encouraging your grandchildren. God wants us to build our children up to speak words of faith and words of victory into their, their lives. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. My parents never focused on my weaknesses. My parents never focused on my problems. My parents focused on solutions. They constantly told us that uh, my siblings and myself that we are the best kids in the world. <laughs> and we grew up secure in knowing that our parents loved us and believed in us. Before your children go to bed at night, bless them with words of blessing. Look into their eyes and say, there's nothing that you can't do. You have a bright future in front of you. You're surrounded by God's favor, by ministering angels. You're created in the image of God. You're a king's kid. Jesus loves you, and so do we. There it is. This becomes far more than positive thinking. When, when, when you base your blessings on God's promises and God's character and end it in prayers of blessing, this is supernatural. You're passing down to the next generation a legacy of blessing, a legacy of faith. It's not enough to think about it. you got to vocalize it. A blessing's not a blessing until it's spoken. Until it's spoken. As Cindy comes to the keyboard this morning, a wealthy home builder, and we have several home builders in this church, after 30 years of the home building service and business, this wealthy home builder sought to retire. He met with his foreman. He said, I'm wanting you to build me the greatest home ever, the most ostentatious, the most wealthy, the most glorious project that you have ever, ever undertaken. I want you to build it for me. My wife and I are going to go to Europe for one year. When I come back, I expect, I expect to have the keys to your greatest work. His foreman, who had been with him for 30 years, thought to himself, now is the time to make some moolah. This will be my retirement package. I'll use ma inferior materials and charge high prices. And I will be able to profit on the remainder and put it in my pocket. Year went by, the wealthy home builder, business owner returned from Europe. And sure enough, it was an unbelievable prestigious mansion. On the surface, the veneer looked amazing. It looked awesome. 
But the foreman had used cheap materials. It was a structure that would not last the test of time. The owner of the home builder business said, Sir, my foreman, you have done your best. Yes, indeed, this is the best project ever. Because you have been faithful to me all over all of these years. Here are the keys to the house. It's yours. Now live in it. Now live in it. Live in it. Hear me. Hear me. Hear me. We're all involved in a building project called the home. Again, whether you live by yourself or you have a family. Let's see. The Hakes, Ryan and Julie now, they're going to have what? Six. We're all involved in a building project called home. Who's building your home? Who's building your life? Unless the Lord builds the home. They that labor, labor in vain. Would you stand with me right now? Give me an usher. Where's an usher? Raise your hand, John. Amen. I want you to go get Pastor Randy and have him get ready. Okay? Pastor Randy's out there, John. There you go. You go that way. There you go, brother. Start coming towards me. Okay. Okay. Have them line up. What is Pastor doing? I'm bringing the children in. Make sure Pastor Ben knows as well. I'm bringing the children in. Hear me with this, Mom and Dad. Grandpa and Grandma. We're going to bring the children all the way up here to the altar. Instead of us finding you, you find your children. Cindy, in a few moments. Okay, Rosie, just wait. I haven't called you in yet. Okay? In a few moments, we'll call them on in. And parents, grandparents, I'm wanting you to find your children and get around them. Cindy will sing a chorus, and I'm going to ask you to get together as families, as homes. That could include grandparents. That might be just you and your teenagers, you and your young adults. If you're up there and your mom and dad are down here, for one Sunday, would you just get around your parents? God's pathway of blessing is through parents and through grandparents. I recognize that there are some couples here this morning. You have no children. You have no grandchildren in this room. I have some people here that are all alone that would love to have you adopt them. Singles, you can be adopted by some spiritual parents just for this morning. Or singles, get with another group of singles. But we're going to close this morning with a time of blessing, a time of prayer. And then we're going to walk out to the walk of faith.
I want to ask you a question. What does your family circle look like? An old saint, an old man of God was dying. Hospice had been called in. His faithful wife stood by his side. And as he was breathing his last, this old man went back in time. And he saw himself as a young parent with his children around him. And he began calling out. He began calling out and saying, Honey, honey, the night is far spent. It's dark outside. Are all the children in? Are all the children safe inside? And she whispered in his ear and said, Dear, all the children are in. All the children are safe inside. Then he spoke out with a strong voice. Then turned the lights out. The children are in. Let's say good night. And I'll see you in the morning. Mom, Dad, are all the children in? This morning, as we go to prayer, if you have a child that is not in, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to partnership in faith with you. And we're going to believe that this is the year. This is the year. This is the year. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? This is the year that they come to repentance. That the children are safe. That the children are in. Nothing is impossible with our God. All things are possible to them that believe. Amen? Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Cindy, would you begin to sing as the children come on in this morning? Sing it with us. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my righteousness. Parents, would you receive your children? You can go to the pew or stay down here at the altar. Mom and dad, grandpa and grandma, would you get together in families right now? Get together in family circles, even right now. Amen. Collect your children. Almighty God, there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. Please do not leave. The service is not over. We're going to have a time of prayer. I give to praise, for you are my righteousness. You can stay down here or gather your children around you at your pew. There is none like you. 
gather your children round about you right now. Amen. Sing it one more time. Worship you. Gather into a circle. Try to gather into a circle. There is none like you. Wait till I lead you in prayer. Join the hand with your spouse. Join hands with your spouse. Join hands with your children. Come together as the people of God. Amen. For you are my righteousness. If you see somebody alone, invite them to be adopted. Amen. Don't let anyone be alone here this morning. Singles can get with singles or be adopted. Up on the balcony. I want you down here, buddy, right next to me. I'm going to adopt you this morning. I feel the hand of God upon you. Come on down, Joe. Amen. Gather your family around you. Gather your family circle around you. Amen. Please don't let anybody be alone. Please don't. Look around you right now. Do you see anybody alone? Invite them into your family circle. Amen. Praise God. Shh. Shh. Praise the Lord. We're going to first pray this morning for those whose children are away from God, whose grandchildren are away from God. Then we're going to close our prayer by speaking blessing upon our children or upon our spiritually adopted children. This young man has the call of ministry upon his life. I want to see him blossom where he's planted. Pray blessing upon those that are around you. But let's first pray for unsaved children. There's no prayer that God hears more than when a mother or a father calls out to God, God, save my child. There's nothing closer to the heart of God than that kind of prayer. Let's pray for lost children here this morning. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And we stand upon the authority of your word and the authority of your Holy Spirit. And we declare, Lord, that in this life, no one is beyond the reach of your saving grace, as your saving mercy, in your saving love. In the name of Jesus, children, grandchildren that are away from you, we claim them through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We claim them through the power of the cross. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke uh, Satan who blinds eyes and minds. We rebuke the enemy of our soul who has gotten them lost. Uh, and Lord, we just speak resurrection 
in the name of Jesus upon daughters, upon sons that are spiritually dead. We call unto you in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come alive. Come forth. Come forth. Come forth out of your grave. Come alive to Jesus. Lord, I pray right now through the agency of your Holy Spirit, wherever that lost son, wherever that lost daughter is right now, catch a hold of their attention. Woo them, Holy Spirit. Knock upon their heart's door. Allow them to fall to knees of repentance and cry out to you, God, save me, for I am a sinner. Now, God, we ask upon these that we lay hands upon, upon these that we hold hands with. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we speak blessing in that name which is above every other name. There is no other name given under heaven or upon earth whereby we might be saved, save the name of Jesus. Lord, we bless our children. We bless these. I bless Joe right now. Call out those names even right now. I bless them in the name of Jesus. Go before them and make the crooked places straight. Go before them in prosperity and protection. Go before them in power, Lord. Go before them with your presence in the name of Jesus. May everything that they touch be a success. Use them, O oh God, in ministry. Use them in outreach. Lord, I pray, make a way for them where there seems to be no way. Cause them, O oh God, to be successful. Cause them to be the best that they can be in you. Cause them to divine and discern your perfect will for their lives, O oh Lord. Allow them to know that they know that they know that they're children of the Most High God, that they are King's kids. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, we pray these things. We bless you in the name of Jesus. And all God's people would say, Amen.